If you didn't know, Pastor Stormy and Shelly are out of town, and if you didn't know, I am their daughter. So you kind of get a little bit of Pastor Stormy and a little bit of Pastor Shelly. I'm kind of a good mix of both. I look like my mom. I've had people come up to me at church, and they start talking to me like I'm Shelly, and I'm like, no, I'm a few years younger than her. I'm not Shelly. <laughs> so I'm that mix of my mom, but then I kind of make up words like my dad. So you might hear some words that I've making up, that I've made up on my own, and um, I think that is good. So tonight I want to talk to you about um, growing up. And before you turn off your hearing aids or say, well, you know what, I'm old. I don't need to hear that. This is a message about age. This isn't a message about age, it's about maturity. And what happens is, is God has been dealing with a lot of us. I believe in the end times, God deals with us on going to a new level with him. And I don't know what he's been doing with this me because it's hard. It's hard and he wants to take each of us to a new level. And you know what, getting older, it happens. Every year on your birthday, what happens? It comes around and you turn a year older. But maturing, it's a choice. It's a choice that each one of us have to take. Remember the classic movie, Peter Pan? He chooses to never grow up, and he lives in this place called what? Never Never Land. And I believe a lot of us Christians, we live in Never Never Land. We never, never want to say we're sorry. We never, never want to get plugged in a local church, and we never, never want to submit to authority. We live in this place called Never Never Land because it's easy, and we don't have to grow up. But I believe God is calling the church to step up and to grow up. You know, you can be in your 70s and still be immature. But God doesn't care about age. Look at the Bible. You can be 90 and have a baby and be 8 and raise a kingdom. I mean, read it. It's in the Bible. Like, where else can you see a 90-year-old have a baby but in the Bible? But God looks at our hearts, not at our age. So tonight, let's all get matured in God. And whether you believe it or not, we can each humble humble ourselves and say, God, grow me up tonight. So let's go ahead and pray. Father, we come to you tonight. I thank you, Lord, right now that your word is truth. It brings life to us. And I pray, Lord, right now that every person in here would get it. They would understand it. And we would go to a new level with you. We give you the glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Go with me in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 4. If you're taking notes, <laughs> the uh, title of this message is Growing Up with Three Exclamation Marks. Get that right, okay? Three. No, I'm kidding. I like exclamation marks. I have a tendency to use them everywhere in every sentence because I think your life should have a big exclamation mark. But the title of this is Growing Up. And the first scripture I want you to read, go with me, like I said, to 1 Timothy chapter 4. This is a scripture that when I was a teenager and even in college, I used to quote this scripture all the time. But now I finally get it. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Here's what the message says. Get the word out. Teach all these things and don't let anyone put you down because you're young. Teach believers with your life, by word, by demeanor, by love, by faith, by integrity. I love that. Be an example through what? Through your life. Through your life. The NIV says be an example through your purity, through your words, through your actions. Do you want to see God's awesome power in your life like never before? 
Be an example. Be an example. Because it doesn't matter who you are. You're an example to someone. You're an example to someone. What happens is, is we end up not living what we say. We, we contradict our lives by what? By our lifestyle. Parents, you go around and you badmouth your kids' teachers. You talk trash on the pastor. You say awful things about your boss. And then you wonder why your kids are acting this way. We're the example. We have to raise up and take responsibility and say, you know what? I have to be the example. Because you know what? Pastor Stormy constantly says what we do, our kids are going to do in excess. So you know what? If you're talking trash on people all the time and judging and condemning people, guess what? Your kids are going to be the same way. And your kids are going to have to deal with that junk. But God has called us to be the example in our words and in everything we say. Our job is to be an example. We shouldn't look or act like everyone else. I think a lot of times people in the church, we look like everybody else, we smell like everybody else, we act like everybody else, but we just put what? A religious brand on it. And then we wonder why the church isn't full. Why aren't we full? Why isn't the church? Every church should be full. There should be standing room only. But why? Because we've been bad examples. Each of us has watered down our lives. You know, my husband and I do a merge here, which is our young adults. And over the past few years, I've had numerous young women come to me. And they cry, and they're frustrated, and they don't know why their prince in shining armor hasn't come yet. And as we continue to talk, they start telling me that they've gone out to the club, and then they started wearing this, and they've started acting this way. And they just don't feel like that guy exists anymore. So they're dating this guy. And what happens is, is they don't know why they're attracting all these dogs. And I'm like, well, quit dressing and acting like it. Maybe you will quit attracting a dog, you know? If you want a real man, then dress with class. Act with purity. And that's what God has called each of us to do. We can't expect to have God results when we ourselves aren't even acting and living the life that God has called us to live. Again, Paul says in 1 Timothy, for us to be an example, you're exemplifying something. What is it? What are you exemplifying? Are you exemplifying how to judge people or are you exemplifying how to love people? Are you exemplifying what religion is or what being a follower of Christ is? I was talking to a mom a few um, weekends ago at a birthday party because that's what my life consists of on weekends these days is birthday parties for my children. Lots of fun. Um, and I was talking to this mom, and I knew her daughter went to dance, a dance place in town here. And so I said, well, how's dance going? And she said, oh, you wouldn't believe how awful they are there. And I said, really? And she said, they pick on my daughter, and she's mistreated, and they are so mean to her. And I said, oh, okay. And I said, now, are you still going to such and such studio? She said, no, we quit that last year. Well, I said, oh, okay, well, where are you going? She said, well, we go here now. So I'm thinking, okay, last year at the same birthday party, I think she told me the same thing. And so I said, well, how many dance studios have y'all gone to? And she said, this is our fourth one. But it's the same thing at all of them. Can you believe that? And I thought, okay, there's a common denominator in all of this. I think it's your daughter. You know, I didn't say that. I was thinking it. 
But a lot of times, we don't realize that that kind of thing, we are being an example to our children. What is she exemplifying to her daughter? Run away. It's everybody else's fault. Blame everybody else. Don't take any blame for yourself. And I think this poor little girl, she thinks it's all about her and that she can get away with anything. What are we teaching our daughters? What are we teaching our sons, our grandkids, our neighbors, the kids in the church? What are we teaching them with our mouths? Our words are examples. To go to a higher level and to grow up, we have to be an example. Go with me over to Colossians chapter 3. You know, the church is a place to come and grow. And in the Bible, it refers to pastors as shepherds. And what a shepherd does is they lead, they protect, and they point you in the way you should go. But for some reason, I've seen over the past eight years, it seems like the description head cheerleader has somehow become in there as a pastor's job. That people get mad if they go serve in the nursery and somebody doesn't say thank you. Or maybe they're an usher and someone doesn't pat them on the rear and say, way to go, buddy, thanks for helping out. And what, yeah, that would be nice, huh? <laughs> but what happens is, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, it says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for man. We aren't doing things as unto men. We're doing them for who? For God. And what happens is, is we get so consumed with this life and going, going on this treadmill and going from place to place to place. And then we go to church and we think everybody should cater to me. And when they don't, we get offended. Well, I served in the nursery and nobody told me thank you. Nobody. Nobody at all. I got up early and I came and I ushered and I served with the teenagers. And then we get mad. We get mad and then we get on Facebook and write crap on Facebook. And then we call our friends and we say, everybody in my church is so mean. And then for the next few months, we come to church mad and we're ugly. And we think everybody else should know why. And we're mad when they don't. So what do we do? We leave the church and we say, I'm done with this. And you know what the devil's saying? Yeah, that's my girl. That's my boy. Because you know what the enemy's number one goal is? Is to get you offended. Is to get you in strife. Do you know why? Because God can't use you when you are offended and when you are living in strife. He can't use you. Why do you think that God says in the Bible, forgive before the sun goes down? Why do you think that? Because he can't use you when you're offended. He can't do it. We've got to grow up and realize that this life isn't just about us. It's not about me and my little world and everybody making me feel good and me living this life just in the air. Guys, the devil plays for keeps. And it breaks my heart when I see people dying and going to hell and kids hurting and people coming to church that are heartbroken that the world has stepped on and hurt them. And what do we do? We stay at church and we play politics and this nonsense, being mad at each other. We got to grow up and go to a new level and say, you know what? I'm not going to be offended. You should say that on a daily basis. I'm not going to be offended. 
Because guess what? You can be offended every single day, right? It's easy to be offended. It's hard not to be offended. But guess who makes that choice? Me. You do. You make that decision. You make that choice. And it's part of growing up. Colossians chapter 3 again says, Whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. When nobody sees, God sees. And that's all that matters. Growing up requires us to be an example in everything, in everything that we do, do it as unto the Lord. That means when you're at work and your boss tells you to do something that you dread, guess what? You're not doing it for your boss. You're doing it as unto the Lord. Moms, when you're on your 10th load of laundry and you're about to pull your hair out, guess what? You're not doing the laundry as unto your family. You're doing it as unto the Lord. Everything we do is unto the Lord. And when we change our mindset and think that way, we're able to give our best, give our best to God. In the news the other day, I saw that a famous singer was asked, how come when he first started out in the music industry, he was so excited and so quick to mention the name of Jesus? And now they never hear him say anything about him. And he said, well, I've just kind of sort of moved on from that. And it really just disgraced me because I feel our job is to honor and bring glory to God. I never want to disgrace that name, you know? This man, in the news that I saw, he, he was a fan of Jesus. He only wanted to claim Jesus when it benefited him. Can I ask you a question? Are you a fan of Jesus or are you a follower of Jesus? Now, that's a tough question. Now, I was raised in a godly home. I was blessed to be raised in a godly home. I don't ever remember a time when the Lord wasn't in my life. I don't have some crazy testimony, but that I lived for God. But by the time I was 10, I could quote the books of the Bible in 10 seconds flat, y'all. Totally could. 10 seconds flat. By the time I was a junior in high school, I was leading Bible studies at my youth group. And at my high school, I wore a purity ring. I knew everything there was to know about Jesus. I knew the Bible inside and out. I wrote scriptures on my basketball shoes. I prayed for my sports teams I was on. But you know what? I was just the number one fan of Jesus. I was his number one fan. I knew all of his stats. I knew everything there was to know about him. But I didn't want to give up everything to be a follower. I wanted Jesus on my terms. And I didn't realize this until I was out on my own in college. And I realized I wanted to be a full, 100% follower of Christ. 100% in You can have all the knowledge in the world, but knowledge isn't the problem. It's having knowledge without intimacy. In fact, knowledge can be a false indicator of intimacy. Growing up and maturing causes us to face hard questions or to run from them. So again, I ask you, are you a fan of Jesus or are you a follower? Go with me over to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. 
In my opinion, these scriptures we're about to read are the scariest scriptures in the entire Bible. They scare me every time I read them. Matthew chapter 7, start in verse 21. It says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will plainly tell them, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Listen to it in the message. Knowing the correct password, saying master, master, for instance, isn't going to get you anywhere with me. What is required is serious obedience doing what my father wills. I can see it now at the final judgment, thousands strutting up to me and saying, Master, we preached the message. We bashed the demons. Our God-sponsored objects had everyone talking. And do you know what I'm going to say? You missed the boat. All you did was use me to make yourselves important. You don't impress me one bit. You're out of here. Those people are fans of Jesus. When I say, are you a fan or a follower of Jesus, I'm not asking if you have your allegiance to a certain church. I'm not asking if you own more than three Bibles. I'm not even asking if you have a fish on your car. I'm asking, are you 100% in it, a follower for God? There's several things about our family that some of you might know. Number one, we... We love God. We love God with all our hearts. Second thing is we love sports. (laughs) We love athletics. We love sports to work out. And the third thing is we love the Oklahoma Sooners. Praise God. Yes. Yes, there's some applause on it once. We love the Oklahoma Sooners. And you know what? We, We know the players' names. We know how tall they are, how much they weigh, where they're from, what position they play. And we even know some of their likes and dislikes that we've read on the Internet. But you know what? I don't know any of the Oklahoma Sooners personally. I know their stats, but I don't know them. You know, in fact, the Oklahoma Sooners, they're going to win regardless of me cheering or not. Because I don't break a sweat when they play. I don't do anything to cause them to win besides scream at the TV. I don't do anything. And that's the same thing. You know what a fan is? A fan is an enthusiastic admirer. And I think Jesus had a lot of fans. They cheer for him when things are going good, but when life gets tough and unexpected circumstances happen, they're gone. And you know what? I can't seem to find any scriptures in the Bible, none, where Jesus says, come, follow me, be my enthusiastic admirers. Woo! Nowhere in the Bible does it say that. What does it say? It says, follow me, be my disciples. Follow me. Jesus wants to know you. He wants to know you and for you to know him. American churches have become watered-down stadiums for people to come and cheer for Jesus, to be his fans. They're really not interested in following Jesus at all. They want to be close enough to get all the benefits, but not so close that it requires anything of them. That's what I see day in and day out. 
Yesterday, I saw this with my own two eyes. I love the school that my son attends. I love it. And we have crazy parental involvement. We have like five homeroom mothers. Like they're crazy obsessed with being involved. Like our Christmas party, we've had four planning meetings. And I'm like, y'all, it's a Christmas party for kindergartners, but whatever. (laughs) So these women were like, oh, we hear your husband's a pastor. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. They're like, we all go to church. We love Jesus. And what they do last night, I got an email last night, and they said, or the night before, and they said, we're having mom's happy hour at one of the mom's houses. We're going to get drunk while we get everything ready for our kids' Christmas party. Yeah! I'm like, I will not be attending. Thank you, though. <laughs> like, but I thought, this is, what, this is what Christians have come to. We don't want to be close enough to Jesus where it costs us anything. If your relationship with Christ isn't costing you anything, there's a good chance that you're just a fan of Jesus. You're just in it till it gets hard. How many people jump on the bandwagon of football teams? When they're good, they're like, yeah, that's my team. And then all of a sudden they're bad, and they're like, I hate them. They're dogging them, saying all this stuff. Same thing with Jesus. When it's good, it's all about him. We'll praise you, God. Yes, with all of my heart, I give you. And then we don't get our way or things don't happen to line up the way that we think they should. Stupid Christianity doesn't work. This is what Christians have come to, I believe, in America. Flip over to the Matthew chapter 7. Just a few pages over. Verse 16. Matthew 7 verse 16 says, You can identify them by their fruit, that is by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. When you truly know God and you're a follower of him, you will have fruit in your life. What is fruit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, righteousness. All these things should be appearing in your life when you're a follower of Christ. When we're all in and don't hold anything back, then the fruit starts sprouting up all over our life. You know, my kids, my son is six and my daughter's four. And some mornings they'll come running into my room and they're crying and they say, Mama, my legs hurt. And we'll pray for them and I'll massage their legs. And they're like, Mommy, but my legs hurt. And I say, but they're just growing pains. And one thing my kids always say is, I want to be tall and strong. You know, they want to be like, Daddy, tall and strong. And I say, if you're going to get there, then you're going to have growing pains. And let me tell you this. The man of God that you desire to be, the woman of God that you want to be, it's going to cause pain to get there. You're going to have some growing pains. But let me tell you this. Growing pains are good because you'll grow tall and strong. And God is going to take you to a new level. And pain can be a good thing. 
It can be a hard thing. But you know what? Pain only lasts for a little bit. And then we wake up and we say, how did I get here? And we realize God took us to a new level. Let's pray. Close your eyes. Father, we come to you right now. And Lord, each one of us, Lord, our heart's desire is to be, be a godly example at our workplace. Be that example for our children. Be that example for our family. Lord, help each one of us, Lord, with our words, with our purity, and in our lives. Help us to bring you glory and honor and to give you the glory, Father. Everything we do is unto you. And Father, right now I pray over everyone in here that you would strengthen us to make it through this season of life. Father, and to realize that it's not just about us, but that we're living this life to glorify you. Lord, we don't want to be just fans. We don't want to be your fans. But Father, we want to be your followers. Right now with every head bowed, and you say, you know what? I've just been God's fan. I've been his number one fan. His poster has been up in my room, and I've been his fan, but I want to be his follower. If that's you, I'm asking you, just raise your hand up. Amen. Amen. Raise it up and put it right back down. Father, you see these hands. And Lord, most of all, Lord, you see our hearts. Father, it doesn't matter what our age is. Lord, I pray that you mature each one of us to go to the next level with us. Father, renew our mind. Lead us and guide us, Father. Right now, I pray over every person here, Lord, that a passion will just be filled in their spirit right now, Father. A passion to live this life wholly and completely for you, Lord. We thank you, Father, right now for your goodness, for your mercy, and most of all, for your forgiveness, Lord. We love you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This is something that God has been stirring in my heart. And I believe he wants the church to grow up. To grow up. So we can bring people in. And we can reach more. If there's anything I can pray for you about, I'll be down here at the front. If not, have a great Wednesday. And we will see you on Sunday. Don't forget the children's program is on Sunday. Um